Well, the title for this morning is He's Still Seeking to Save the Lost. He's Still Seeking to Save the Lost. A little note right here. Sister Mabel Johnson lost her husband's brother, Dwight Johnson. Viewing, was, viewing will be at Keith Matthews on, Funeral Home on Tuesday, 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, the funeral will be Wednesday, 11 a.m. at St. Mary's Catholic Church. Okay, we'll put this in the email tomorrow, and it'll go out so you'll be able to um, have it on your, on your devices. He's still seeking to save the lost. Beloved, as we return to our series, Idols of the Heart, or No More Idols for Me, this is um, number 11. Excuse me, no, this is number 10. Number 10, the message number 10. As we return to that series um, that started at the very beginning of the year, I would like to bring to our attention that in addition to the senseless tragedies of mass shootings, and we got a word for that as well, in our country, we have also been shaken to the very core of our being when we hear so many young, talented, rich, and successful people committing suicide, leaving their families and friends in shock, wondering why and asking what was so bad that they felt they needed to end their lives in such violent and sometimes gruesome manners. Well, no one can be sure why, but for certain, these persons were suffering in silent pain and perhaps shame of one uh, kind or another. Take a look at the slides, if in your mind, just remember the slides that we showed you all the way down to Robin Williams. Beloved, after the global economic crisis began in 2008, there followed a tragic string of suicides of formerly wealthy and well-connected individuals. Listen up for some more stats. The acting chief financial officer of Freddie Mac, the federal home loan mortgage company, hanged himself in his basement. You had everything. The chief executive of Sheldon Good, a leading US real estate auction firm, shot himself in the head behind the wheel of his red Jaguar. A French money manager who invested the wealth of many of Europe's royal and leading families and who had lost 1.4 billion of his clients' money and Bernard Madoff's Ponzi scheme slit his wrist and died in his Madison Avenue office. A Danish senior executive with HSBC Bank hanged himself in the wardrobe of his 500 lira a night suite in Knightsbrig, London. When a Bear Stearns executive learned that he would not be hired by J.P. Morgan Chase, which had bought his collapsed firm, he took a drug overdose and leapt from the 29th floor of his office building. Beloved, I share this information today because it is painful and a bit scary when counseling someone whose life is hanging on by a thread because they are emotionally and mentally vacillating between sorrow and despair. And today, Deacon Brown, I would like to define both. Sound room, help me out. I'd like to define both. For surely there is a difference between sorrow and despair. 
Sorrow, there should, a slide should be coming up. Sorrow is pain for which there are sources of help and consolation. Sorrow comes from losing one good thing among others so that if you experience a career reversal, you can find comfort in your family to get you through it. That's an example of sorrow. But then there's despair. However, it's inconsolable because it comes from losing an ultimate thing. Now, peep this. We've got to be careful. We really got to be careful when we say to our husband, to our wife, to our children, to whoever or whatever, you're my everything. No. God is supposed to be your everything. This is why some people lose it. Because whenever they lose their everything, they feel like what? They have nothing else for which to live. But holler at your neighbor and say, God is supposed to be your everything. Love your wife, love your children, love your business, love your job, love whatever, but make God your everything. That was Abraham's issue, Isaac had become his everything. And God said, I need to check you because I'm supposed to be your everything. I know you think your daughter is your everything. Your son is, hello somebody. But none of these things on this earth wakes you up in the morning, puts breath in your body, keeps your blood beating in your heart. Come on somebody, thinking in your mind heals you when you're sick. Did the lights come on? And so, when we lose the ultimate source of our sense of meaning, value, hope, or significance, it feels like there are no alternative sources of help to which we can turn. Despair is a dark place. And if not careful, it could break one's spirit. And when that happens, Minister Gordon, a person begins to entertain thoughts and voices, demonic voices, saying, I'm a failure and I'll never get better. My family will be better off without me. No one will really miss me when I'm gone. My life really doesn't matter. That's a lie. I've been trying, but I just can't seem to get it together. I'm a lost cause, and really, there's no hope for me. Do you hear the voice of the enemy? Beloved, when I hear words and phrases like these, it is clear and obvious to me, Corey, that this person has lost their way. And it's like a lamb in the midst of ravenous, suicidal wolves who will not stop speaking hopelessness and despair into the heart and mind of this person. And though they are lost, they do not realize just how dangerous it is for them to be in that lost state. I wonder today, have you ever been lost? (laughs) Some will answer, "Uh uh-huh, yes. But there are many who will answer, no, not really. But sad to say, Deaconess Walker, among those who answered no are some who are actually lost right now. 
They just don't know it. And the ones who's laughing is the one who has to know. It's easy to help a person who is lost to find his way home. Oh, I know where you live. But it is harder to help a person, Reverend Collins, who is lost find his way when he does not know that he is lost. Well, Pastor, how can a person be lost and not know that he or she is lost? Listen up. Don't tell me that I'm lost. I live around the corner in the big white house. Don't tell me that I'm lost. I can show you my house on Google Earth. Don't tell me that I'm lost. My GPS system has my location pinpointed. I know exactly where I am. Don't tell me I'm lost because even if I thought I was lost, I can call OnStar and they would tell me where I am. I'm not lost. I know I'm not lost. Well, sir, if you are not lost, then why is it that sometimes you cry when you're alone and you don't even know why you're crying? Why is it that sometimes you throw your hands up in despair, that ugly word, because you don't know what to do, who to call, who to turn to for help? Everybody needs a little help sometimes. Why is it that sometimes you feel all of your efforts are in vain and you find yourself at wit's end wondering how you are going to make it through the day? Why is it that sometimes you can't hear from God no matter how hard you try to pray? Listen up. You may know your address exactly. You may be able to find your location on a GPS system, but if the truth be known, there are times when even the best of us get lost. I can't get no help right here. I'm going to try you again. I said there are times when even the best of us get lost, down, confused, disoriented, and for a moment or a season, we just can't seem to find our way out of the confusion, out of the hell hole, or the messy and emotional knots in which we find ourselves. Amen, carpet. In short... That's what happens when we get spiritually lost. In the physical world, we know where we are, yeah. But spiritually, we're trying to get back to home base with God. Yeah, that's when we know we're lost. Or perhaps we have lost something. What do you mean, Pastor? If we would be honest with ourselves, Mount Gilead, we will admit that losing things can be frustrating. Am I by myself? Have you ever lost your keys? Your wallet, your cell phone, your iPad, your license, your car registration, or some other important paper? I had it right here. Come on, Karen. <laughs> Beloved, perhaps some of the most frustrating moments in life are those times when we can't find something we have lost. Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Generally, we remain frustrated. Calm down, it's going to be up. No, I got to find it. I got to find it. Move. Get out of my way. <laughs> Hello, Deborah. <laughs> you don't understand. I need that. Generally, we remain frustrated until we find that for which we are looking. Or we find our way back home. And truthfully speaking, Pam, 
usually losing things causes more worry, fear, and anxiety for the owner than for the lost object. Because that which is lost usually doesn't know that it's lost. <laughs> what do you mean, Pastor? The sheep that wandered away from the fold did not know it was lost, but the shepherd did. The coin that was lost in the house did not know it was lost, but the woman did. The prodigal son did not know he was lost and what he had lost until he came to himself. But peep this, his father knew all the time that his son was lost. Sometimes those who are lost don't know it. Well, Others around them can see it, shopping, clean. They just as lost as they can be. She don't know where she is, do she? Beloved, let's be honest. Have we lost anything recently? This morning? Has there ever been a time when we felt spiritually stronger? Has there ever been a time when we read our Bible just a little bit more? Has there ever been a time when we attended Bible study? Ouch. Sunday school, sang in the choir, or served in a special ministry of service with joy, passion, commitment, intensity, and vigor, but we lost it. Has there ever been a time when we actually enjoyed serving the Lord? Look forward to meetings with, with our brothers and sisters in the faith and we're excited about the fellowship. Some of us have lost that. I'll see you on Zoom. Beloved, I've come to report that unknown to many, but there are millions of church members who are lost in the house. They have not wandered into the highways and byways of life, nor have they roamed into the world. No, but sadly, they are lost right here in the house. And beloved, when we are lost in this way, we are like David, who lost his joy because of his sinful affair with another man's wife named Bathsheba. And sad to say, but it was a long time before David realized that he had lost something. Yeah. But once he came to himself through the prophet Nathan, he cried out to the Lord, creating me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not the Holy Spirit away from me. Restore unto me that which I lost. The joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Psalm 51. Beloved, as children of the Most High God, we can rejoice in the knowledge that we are close to God daily. Thank you, Jesus. But if we lose our way, here's your good news. Due to the stress and strain of trying to navigate this pressure cooker thing called life, there is some good news today. Don't miss this. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our good shepherd will come looking for us to bring us safely home. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. If you're lost, you better know somebody's looking for you. And his name is Jesus. Church folk might not come looking for you, but somebody will come looking for you, and his name is Jesus. 
And no matter how dark the night or steep the slopes of life, Jesus will come looking for us. No matter how deep the trouble or guilty the sin, Jesus will come looking for us again. No matter how negative the thoughts and depressed the feelings of despair, Jesus will come looking for us. Just don't give in to the voice of depression. Just don't believe the lies of the devil. Just don't give in to the voice of anxiety, fear, and worry. Just don't give in to the voice of despair that says life is not worth it. You ain't nothing. You're a nobody. Don't believe it. Don't give in to the voice of suicide tempting you to embrace a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Remember, God is able. Somebody help me preach today. Somebody say, God is able. God is able to help us. Reach out to someone and ask for help. Remember, Isaiah said, have you not known? Have you not heard, Iris? That the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm a pastor. And every now and then it seems like the older that I get, I have to say, God, I need a refreshment. Lord, I need some encouragement. God, I need a word. I need a boost. I need some help. I don't need to get, I don't need a drink. I need a word. I don't need a dance. I need a word. I don't need a club. I need a word from God. One word. What am I saying? Hold on. Wait on God. And he'll come and see about you. Hunt your neighbor and say, it's the truth. He will. He'll come and see about you. David was in trouble, but he told the people, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, beloved, as we come to our various texts for today, we find that a particular idol had gripped the heart of Judas. But once again, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs, absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. You see, our heart is an idol factory. Yeah, it produces idols all the time. Anything we seek to give us what only God can give. A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to our lives that should we lose it, our life would feel hardly worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in our heart 
that we can spend most of our passion and energy and emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. Yeah, I'm in. I'm on that. It can be family and children or career or making money or achievement, critical acclaim or saving face, social standing. It can be peer approval or a romantic relationship, competence and skill, comfortable and secure circumstances, our beauty or brains, a great political or social cause, our morality and virtue, or even success in the Christian ministry. An idol is whatever we look at and say in our hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning then I'll know I have value then I'll feel significant and secure I don't care who you're dating that makes you feel like that you need to know you're somebody without them who am I without Mount Gilly I'm Shelton Murphy Louise's boy Amen, somebody. And the day is going to come when I'm not going to have Mount Gilead because I'm not going to stay up here until I die. Hello, somebody. I got a retirement date already in mind. Go ahead and get the committee together. I need to enjoy a little bit of life that's left. I'm going to still preach. I'm going to still minister. But I'm going to go somewhere and sit it down. Believe that. <laughs> There are many ways to describe the kind of relationship to something. But perhaps the best one is worship. Only God is worthy of our worship. Not our job. Not our money. Not our spouse. Not our children. Not our cars. Not, the, not even the grass on our lawn. I can't get no help up in here. We'll spend more time cutting that grass than we will reading that Bible. Ouch. So, Judas was better than the actors of Hollywood. Judas was a lost professional hypocrite. He was lost. Judas was lost and determined in his sin. Judas was lost and determined to do it and have it his way. The idol of his agenda was the love of power. He wanted to be somebody. Judas wanted to be a mover and a shaker. The idol of his agenda was the love of self. It was all about him. You ever met people like that? If they can't get nothing out of it, they ain't stunned you. The idol of his agenda was the love of wealth. I got some points for you. I know I'm going a little bit long. Hang in there. The idol of his agenda was the love of wealth. For it was Judas who complained, why wasn't this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And then John added, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it? Uh-oh. Judas was a lover of money, his idol. And Paul warned us when he told Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil. How did your neighbor say, money is not evil. It's the love. 
Because when you love it more than God, you'll do just about anything to get it. And for Judas, one of the cho Lord's chosen, it was all about the idol of money. And because it was all about the money, Judas went out into the night. He left the light of the world talking about Jesus and went out into the night of the world that would know no mourning. Yes, in this instance, uh, might seem to signify, signify, excuse me, doom and downfall. He went out into the night. That same night at the Last Supper, stay with me. I'm weaving some stuff here. Peter boasted and bragged how he would be willing to go to prison and even die for the Lord. But Jesus warned him by saying, hey man, before the cock crows, in other words, before six o'clock in the morning, you shall deny me thrice, three times. Well, Deborah, as the drama of the night unfolded in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus praying until the sweat fell from his brow like drops of blood, big word, hematidrosis. And Peter and the other disciple slept. Meanwhile, Judas is making a deal with the chief priest and sells the Lord out for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. Because money was the idol of his heart. Well now, Deaconess Preston, when the soldiers arrived in the Garden of Gethsemane <laughs> to arrest Jesus, Judas identifies Jesus with a kiss of betrayal. Y'all remember that? On the other hand, Peter pulls his sword. I'll be doggone, you're going to take him tonight, not on my watch. And cuts off the ear of the man who is serving to the high priest. His name was Malchus. Jesus accepts the kiss of betrayal from Judas and also stoops down and picks up the man's ear, puts it back on his head without using stitches or anesthesia. What a mighty God we serve. Well, as the night wore on, Peter followed closely and found himself denying the Lord three times as prophesied. And when the rooster crowed, ah, 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 that was a poor crow, wasn't it? I'm by horse. Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was sorrowful. But when Judah saw that his betrayal of the Lord, stay with me, had led Jesus to be condemned to die at the hands of the ruthless and sadistic Romans. It was more than he could handle. Oh my God, what have I done? He sought to give the money back to the chief priest. In other words, he wanted to rewind it and undo it. But how many know some stuff in life you can't undo? He tried to give the money back. The idolatrous heart of Judas had been exposed. And his soul fell into the deepest pit of regret, guilt, shame, hopelessness, and despair. From which he could not seem to bounce back or climb out. He was lost and could not find his way back. I imagine the hell hounds tormented him, Letitia. Tormented him beyond belief. Let me, let me give voice to the hellhounds. Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead, but you condemned him to die. Jesus called the lame to walk and the dumb to talk, <laughs> but you condemned him to die. 
Jesus called the blind to see and the deaf to hear. But Judas, you condemned him to die. You don't deserve to live. Oh, Jesus. Jesus walked on water and calmed the raging sea. But you, Judas, you condemned him to die. Jesus raised Lazarus, remember? And Jairus' daughter from the dead and spoke eternal wisdom to the masses. But you, Judas Iscariot, you condemned him to die. Can you see the pit of despair? How are you going to get out of this one? You're going to go down in history as the man who condemned Jesus to die. Now watch this. Here's the beauty of it. The devil will never tell you God will forgive you. God will forgive you. You messed up, but there is mercy available. Just stay alive, and Jesus will come looking for you. Ooh, Jesus. The devil never tells you that. He only leads you to death because he comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. As a result, Judas, without hope, Gave in to the spirit of suicide when forgiveness was available. He hanged himself and lost his soul that night. I wish somebody could have talked to Robin Williams. I wish somebody could have talked to Don Cornelius. I wish somebody could have talked to Twitch. Hello, somebody. They might still be with us today. Somebody was talking, but more than likely, it was the wrong somebody. Let me give you these four points and get out your way. Here it is, quickly, number one. Some are lost to the service of God. Beloved, there are some in the world today who have chosen to live outside of the saving grace of our Lord. These are those whose choices have been to live their lives by their own rules and accept the consequences. Whatever it's going to be, going to be. Too often such choices have ended in moral decadence and spiritual decay. Although they have disassociated themselves from God, God has not divorced himself from them. The message that the gospel brings is one of forgiveness. And compassion. God's message is reconciliation. I love you. His forgiveness ignores our past failures. That ought to shout somebody. And shortcomings and looks beyond our present miserable state. As the old writer said, he looks beyond our faults and he sees our need. God only cares that those who are lost are his children and he is willing to come the first mile, the second mile, the third mile, no matter how many miles he needs to go to get us. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Go get him. Now get number two. Some have lost their desire to fully trust God. Beloved, there are many who have stopped trusting God and placed all their trust in their own abilities and in other people. In March of 2009, financier Bernard Madoff pleaded guilty to 11 criminal complaints and confessed to cheating 
thousands of people out of billions of dollars. In court documents, Letitia, prosecutors put the amount of the fraud at $64.8 billion. Thousands of people put their trust in him and lost billions of dollars. Madoff's victims included individuals, trust, pension funds, hedge funds, and nonprofit organizations. The scheme wiped out people's life savings, ruined charities and foundations, and apparently pushed at least two investors to commit suicide because when they lost their money, they lost their everything. Preach up in here. What he offered his victims was impossible to achieve. Profits and protection. They trusted him and lost. Unfortunately, there were many people who placed all of their hopes in man and not in God. But the good news is, all is not lost. Here it is. God is still on the throne. Amen, somebody. And today, he's still looking for lost. The lost to show them that the way to real spiritual wealth and prosperity is through faith and trust in him. God is still seeking the lost who have trusted in their investments rather than placing their ultimate trust in him. How much money do you need anyway? You can't spend it all. You got to leave some here. God is seeking the lost who have trusted their education rather than placing their ultimate trust in him. God is actively looking for those who want more than a motto on a dollar bill that says, in God we trust. They want to sing again from the heart, I will trust in the Lord until I die. Nugget number three. We're moving. In difficult times such as these, when jobs are disappearing, homes are being lost, and finances are disappearing, there are many who have lost their faith in God. They somehow believe that they would be immune to any of the problems of the world once they accepted Christ. How I many of you know that is not true? And are now shell-shocked that they see that Christians endure problems and troubles just as the rest of the world does. Amen, somebody. The difference is that we never lose our faith in God. When faith seems to falter, we need to remind ourselves that although it looks dark and defeat appears imminent, God is still on the throne and he's still able to pour life out of the jaws of death. Every child of God believes in a miracle-working God. We constantly remind ourselves that no matter how frustrating the situation might seem, it never reaches a point of complication beyond the miraculous power of the Almighty God. Do I have a witness here? The songwriter said, God is still on the throne. Within your bosom, you got a telephone. Jesus is what? On the main line. Call him up and tell him 
what you want. We're moving. Last nugget, number four. If you're lost, Jesus is the key. I know that sounds simple. But if you need to find your way back, I've come to tell somebody, Jesus is the key. Finally, Reverend Spellman, if you're lost, we want to let you know that Jesus is the key to your forgiveness, to your mercy, to your restoration, to your victory, to your success. No matter how bad your situation looks at the moment, Jesus is the key. And I've had some bad days, some, I mean some, some, some terrible looking days, but I'm still here. Hello, somebody. There have been some days I didn't think I was going to make it. Do I have a witness here? But I'm still here. No matter how terrible your sins look to, look to you, Jesus is the key. No matter how many doors are shut, slammed shut in your face, somebody help me preach. Jesus is the key. No matter how many failures you have endured, help me somebody, Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key to turning defeat into victory. He's the key to turning briny tears into a great big smile. He's the key to turning hard times into happy days. He's the key to turning bowed down heads into uplifted hearts. Jesus is the key, Cheryl, to turning dark clouds and raging storms into blue skies and sunny days. The best way to find Jesus, if you're lost, is to backtrack over your life. If you'll start coming back to him, you'll find that he's already coming towards you. <laughs> like the prodigal son says, I believe I'll go home. And before he could get home, his father was running across the field to him. Hello, somebody. Beloved, Mary and Joseph had lost Jesus at the temple. They missed him. And then they decided, we need to backtrack so we can go find him. Every now and then, you need to do what? You need to backtrack. That's right. And when you start backtracking, start singing that song, Lord, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Somebody will find him in a Bible verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Somebody will find him in a song. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Somebody will find their lost key in a children's verse. Yes, Jesus loves me. When you backtrack far enough, you just might find Jesus on a special day or in a special way. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is looking for the lost to save them from their sins. Jesus is looking for the confused to give direction again. Jesus is looking for sinners to cover them with his blood. I'm not done. It might sound like it, but listen up. He carried an old rugged cross while still looking for the lost. He was wounded for our transgressions, but he was still looking for the lost. They buried him in a borrowed tomb, and he stayed there three days and three nights. Early Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. But Minister Gordon, he was still looking for the lost. <laughs> the, the, the angel said, go tell his disciples and Peter. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Notice the angel didn't say, go tell his disciples and Judas. Judas gave in to despair and took himself out. But the angel said, go tell his disciples and Peter. In other words, go find Peter. 
I know he messed up. Go get Peter. Track him down. Look him up. Send him a text message. Send him an email. I don't care what you got to do, but find him, find him, find him, find him. Find Peter. Find Karen. Find Deacon Brown. Find Deacon Preston. Find him, find him, find him. Find him, but go get him, go get him. I don't care what they did. He said, go get him. The difference. Peter was sorrowful. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. But Judas was caught up in despair. He couldn't get past what he had done. And the devil, all in his ear, you ain't nothing. You ain't never going to be nothing. You ain't never going to make it. And he didn't have the strength to rebuke that devil. But Peter, I denied him. He probably don't want me no more. But I'm so sorry. The difference is Judas submitted to the spirit of suicide. It was a temporary problem. But he opted for the permanent solution. Peter had a temporary issue. He said, I'm sorry. And over in John, Jesus shows up on the shore and says, come here. Come here. They said, it's the Lord. Peter said, I got to put on some clothes. I'm naked. He jumped out. They got to the shore. He said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Amen. But Lord, but, 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 but you don't remember what I done. I ain't asking nothing about that. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Lord, you, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Amen. But Lord, uh, 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 shut up. I didn't come to talk to you about your sin. I came to talk to you about service. I've already dealt with your sin. When I shed my blood at Calvary, I dealt with your sin. When I got up from the grave, I already dealt with your sin. Are you willing to serve in my kingdom? Do you love me, Lord? You know everything. Feed my sheep. Peter, unlike Judas, went on to become a great apostle on the day of Pentecost. This same Peter, he preached and 3,000 souls were ushered into the kingdom. Peter became a great pillar in the church of Jesus Christ all because he didn't give in to the spirit of despair. No one is exempt from the troubles of this life. Every now and then hell shows up at everybody's door. But we need to learn how to rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. And I don't care what you've done. You need to hold on to 1 John 1 9 if we confess our sins. God is faithful and just 
to forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do I have any saints in here today who knows I'm telling the truth? If you believe it down to your toenails, come on and help me give God praise. Somebody open up your mouth and say yes. What a mighty God we serve. One last point. I want to hit you right between the eyes with this. Because this is what the devil does. Sometimes the saints mess up. I know you don't want to believe that, but it's true. And then we have the nerve to say, I just can't forgive myself. Wait a minute. Who, who made you God? Whose blood, yeah, what, what blood have you shed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Jesus can't forgive you, yeah. listen at me. I want y'all to help me here. Look at your neighbor and get a real stern face. Like you're about to fuss him out. And here's the word, here's the word, tell him, say, look, get over yourself. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. If God says I forgive you, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Get over. Get over yourself. Move on. And stop playing with that false humility. I can't forgive myself. He never asked you to forgive yourself. He asked you to ask him to forgive you. You know, I've been praying for quite a few people. I told Josiah when he came home and said, Daddy, Chris Brown asked me to um, go on tour with him for 30 plus days over in Europe. I said, okay. I said, you, you gonna do it? He said, I, I decided to do it. I said, well, Chris just got blessed. He said, but Chris is already blessed. I said, no, I ain't talking about his money. I'm saying Chris just got blessed because he asked you to become a part of his entourage. So whenever I pray for you, I'm going to pull Chris and the whole entourage in and I'm going to ask God to save them, deliver them, set them free, raise them up, use them for your glory. Use the, the electronic platforms that they have. Use the social media. Use the stadiums that they have. Save them down to their toenails and, and compel them to speak a word in your name. May they lift up your voice. They might not know what's happening, but save them, God, in Jesus' name. He might not know why he can't sleep at night. That's because Jay's daddy has got some rumbling going on in the spirit. The same thing for Jamie Foxx. The same st thing for Steve Harvey. The same thing for Pharrell Williams. Lift up these brothers. They might have money, but some of them need Jesus. Did you hear me? You see, money can't save you. Listen to me real good. I promise you I'm going to stop. All these people that committed suicide, they had millions. They had millions of dollars. But did they have anybody 
praying for them. Lord, keep my mind. They kill themselves with millions. Did you hear me? So where the higher you go, every level, there's another devil. And whether they know it or not, they still need the church. Did you hear me? They still need the church. When Jamie got sick, don't know what it was. Because I like Jamie. He's one of my favorite actors. I put him on my prayer list. I said, God, don't let him die. I don't know if he's saved or not, but please let him live to give his heart and life to you. And use him for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. I may never meet him, and that's, that ain't, that's, and that's not what it's about. But all I'm saying is that I know he's got a soul. And if the devil would have his way, he would snatch it. Are you hearing me? Because Hollywood ain't no joke. Am I right about it? The doors of the church are open. 